Thank you for tuning in to the 95 Killers podcast. We just launched our website, 95killers.com. So now you can listen to full episodes, become a member, and get your 95 Killers merch straight from our website. Visit us today at 95killers.com. Now let's start the show. Welcome to the 95 Killers podcast, an explorative and insightful journey inside the minds of some of the most successful entrepreneurs who have killed their day jobs to pursue their passions. Streets raise me, born in 80s, baby. Lord save me, cause today I'm going crazy with this bullsh, bullsh, bullsh. Crazy with this bullsh, bullsh, bullsh. Welcome to season two, episode nine of the 95 Killers podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Graham. Today's guest is a dietitian a four-time best-selling author of Cave Women Don't Get Fat, Eat, Drink, and Be Gorgeous, Secrets of Gorgeous, and the Eat, Drink, and Be Gorgeous Project. She is widely respected as an industry expert and was voted Best Nutritionist by Manhattan Magazine. She has been featured as a guest on Dr. Oz, The Today Show, and Healthy You with Carol. Ladies and gentlemen, allow me to introduce Miss Esther Bloom. Welcome to the show, Esther. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. <laughs> I did a little research. And um, so first of all, before I even start, is there anything that is off that you don't talk about at all? Talk about everything. And okay. Everything. Cool. Nothing off of when I came across your page, I was like, just really like blown away because you're a mother, you're married, you have four books. And so I, I just know that when I talk to people who are trying to do different things, some of the things they'll tell me is, oh, I have a kid or I'm married. or So I just, you just broke all of those things that have been taught to me that are like um, hurdles. Can you speak to some of that? <laughs> First of all, I hope you ask your male client, your male guests the same question because women get the question, but men don't. But women get the question, how do you do it all? And it's like, that's assuming we are doing it all. But men, men should, I would love it if somebody asked a male president, how do you do it all and raising kids? And <laughs> that would be very funny. Well, you know, well, you know, the um, funny thing that you mentioned that, I'm um, sorry to cut you, the funny thing that you mentioned that is that I do ask men and sometimes they don't want to answer that question. Like when we do the preliminary, they don't like, so I ask everybody, are you comfortable? And sometimes they don't want to talk about their relationship for some reason. I talk about it openly. You could ask me if you want. Sure, yes. I'll, I'll answer your question. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, I, the first couple books I actually wrote before I had my son, I was married, but we were, you know, my husband and I both worked full time. So it, it was really of no consequence. It was actually the first book. The first book I remember, it was published a month before my son was born. So that was like 2007 was an amazing year. Um, this is my first book, Eat, Drink, and Be Gorgeous, came out. It's still generating royalty checks, which is tick in 2020, which just tickles me pink. And funnily enough, because the book has a hot pink cover with a girl in a martini glass. But the other books came once my son was born. And, you know, I've done various things to get work done. I've hired help. I have a flexible work schedule. You know, when I was writing my book, I definitely did not see clients at the time. So, you, you can have it all. You just can't have it all at one time. So something, you know, I always say my life is just moving puzzle parts or moving puzzle pieces. You just have to juggle. And if you're an entrepreneur listening to this, you have to hire help. I hire help. Like I have a team working with me. I have a business coach and you have to spend money to make money. I spend a 
big chunk of my income on my business coaching because I would never be hitting the numbers I'm hitting now if I didn't have this coach here. So just a necessary expenditure. And there's no shame in getting help. As a mother, you know, I, I think the hardest thing, or as a parent, if you're a, a male listening to this too, you know, the hardest thing for me becoming a parent, becoming a mother was asking for help because I didn't know what I needed to ask help with. It took me a while to kind of see the routine and see, oh, okay, my kid's schedule is this and my work schedule is this. How do I fill in those gaps? And now, you know, the, the biggest gift of the pandemic has been having my husband home full time because he's taken over a lot of the homeschooling and walking the dog. And my business has been able to grow even more. So I'm like, okay, if he has to go to back to commuting after the pandemic, now I know exactly where I'm going to need to fill in spaces. And I resisted getting help for a long time, and it held me back. It held back my growth a tremendous amount. So if you think, I don't have the money, I never had the money. When I, was, when I hired my business coach, and it was, again, more than I made in a year at the time. Okay, the cost of my business coach was more than I was bringing in a year. And I did it anyway, because it made me hustle my butt off. It made me hustle to say, oh, I, not only do I have that expense, but then I actually just have my regular living expenses, my other things. But I saw the bigger picture and I was like, this may be a temporary setback, but I'm going to figure out how to make it happen. And when you push yourself and push yourself to such a place of discomfort, radical discomfort. I mean, like I cried when I signed that contract out of fear, not out of joy, people. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wedding bullets, okay. But I was like, I could never look myself in the mirror in the morning knowing I failed my family. I failed myself. And I had a really big why, which is I really hate my husband's commute to New York City, which is two hours every way. And I was like, I'm going to reach each way. So four hours a day. So he now has 20 hours a week back. And I was like, I am going to retire him or at least offer him the position to be a consultant or not have to be, you know, the primary breadwinner. So I'm hitting the numbers now where we can really make very different life choices. So you're never going to, don't wait till you have the money. You're never going to have the money. Like build the bridge, you know, jump first, lesson, and the net will appear, you know, or, or take the step over the cliff and the bridge will appear. You will figure out incredibly creative ways to work, to make it work. Your subconscious will do this for you when you take the risk. I'm not saying stupid risks. I'm not saying don't have a plan. I'm saying hire someone who can say, this is, these are the exact steps over the next three, six, nine, and 12 months you're going to take. And these are the numbers you're going to need to hit to make this work. And you reverse engineer that as to how many call, outreach calls do I need to make a month? How many clients do I need to book? How many sales calls do I have to have? And track your numbers so you say, okay, I have 20% conversion rate. I had to make 20 sales calls to get four or five people full clients you know, a full paying client. And then you start building like you're paying full clients versus your payment plan clients. And you have like a broad portfolio so you can really start hitting the hard big numbers that you want to hit and just keep doing it over and over again. Don't have 20 different strategies, have one strategy, master it. It's ridiculously boring, but it works. Don't do 20 different things that are not your business plan. Get a business plan customized to you and what's true to you and 
the other thing I'll say, Glenn, is I built my business around my family. I do not build my, I do not put my family last. My family comes first. And my business builds around that. And I have some clients that say, I can't see you during the times you're available. And I say, I guess you're going to have to figure that out for yourself because I can't budge. I'm not budging on my schedule. My schedule is around my life and my family. And then there's no stress. There's no struggle. There's no stress. You mentioned, um, so first of all, I, I jumped ahead. I got so excited to talk to you. But tell people a little <laughs> bit briefly about how you yeah. got started and then where your new road is now. <laughs> I grew up in a family of doctors. My grandfather lived to be 105 and a half. He was an ears, nose, and throat doctor. He did surgery until he was 80. He practiced medicine until he was 95 and a half, four days a week. And then he painted full pad the last 10 years of his life. My father was a doctor as well. He was a dermatologist. My mother was a nurse. So I, I had so many family members who were in the medical profession, pharmacists, doctors, nurses. And I liked the field of nutrition because I didn't want to be a doctor. But to be, an, uh, to be a registered dietitian, your undergraduate degree is almost identical to a pre-med degree. It's, uh, it's less physics, which is why I did it, because I hate physics. Right. But it's the chemistry, it's the biochemistry, the physiology, it's all these hardcore science courses that you need. So I did that. Then I worked at uh, Boston City Hospital for a year, and then I went back to grad school at NYU and got my master's in clinical nutrition and worked for four more years at Beth Israel Medical Center in New York. And after a while, I began to get weary of reaching people. I worked in the cardiology unit. And I was like, how am I helping an 85-year-old who's had a heart attack? There's not, you know, maybe 10 years left of their life if they're lucky, right? So I decided to go a more preventive route and went rogue and got my degree in functional nutrition, functional medicine nutrition, and left the hospital and worked for a holistic doctor and never looked back. So how I help people now, I do treat men and women. The primary group who comes to me are perimenopausal, menopausal, and postmenopausal. But I do have clients range from age from 16 to 73. And I look at everything. I do testing. I look at their hormones. I look at gut function. I look at brain biochemistry. I look at how you're digesting and absorbing your nutrients. I look at your stress, your sleep. Um, I look at emotional trauma. And through that, put together a really comprehensive and targeted healing path for people. I work with people minimum six months. Most of my clients renew. We either with another six-month package or an eight-month maintenance plan. But in that time, we master diet and get people really clear on how much protein carbs they need to be eating. Most people are under-eating their macronutrients like protein and overeating carbs. I get people really clear on my supplement regime, and I do this through testing, either through gut testing or hormone testing or both. So that enables people to effortlessly lean out, drop body fat, lower their inflammatory markers, their cholesterol and triglycerides, zero out their autoimmune antibodies, zero out their inflammation. You know, some people literally cannot get out of bed when they start with me, and by the end, they've lost 25, 40, 50 pounds, and they can move, and they're taking online dance classes, and they're digesting their food, and their food allergies have cleared up, and, you know, uh, they're sleeping through the night. All of these amazing results people get, and who they come out the other side, it, 
at, who they come out as the, on the other side is a totally different person, you know, just feeling more energized, feeling happier, feeling more confident in their body, pooping regularly, <laughs> sleeping well, managing their stress, you know, all these things that really are so simple, but not always easy for people. But I had a friend ask me recently, well, why are you interviewing this woman? And I was like, do you understand as an entrepreneur, um, <laughs> diet, exercise, sleep? I'd say most people that I interview here, what they lack is sleep. How do you manage all of that and then stay and then get your rest? For me, it wasn't a choice. I actually got really sick after my son was born and um, my neurological system just kind of blew out. And so I developed severe insomnia to the point where I actually didn't work for a couple of years. Um, after I wrote all my books and I kind of, I had to take some time off to just heal my body. And uh, so sleep is a non-negotiable for me. And I actually shut off my phone around eight or nine. I could be up at 5.30 or 6 and work then if I want. But again, I choose not to. I choose to have a good breakfast, walk my dog, be an hour outside in broad spectrum daylight. And that resets your circadian rhythms. And then I hit my desk at 9.30. For me, it's, I could, you know, it's funny. My husband and I, we just had our 17th anniversary. And we were out to dinner talking. And he said, I could make a million more a year if I did this. But he said, it's not worth it to me. And I, I feel the same way. I could make hundreds of, my goal isn't even to make a million dollars a year. It's really not. It's to make, you know, a decent, a very decent amount. But my goal is not to make a million dollars a year because it's not worth it to me. You have to give up a tremendous amount to do that. And I see a lot of people who are very obese, like really, really obese in my business training program. And I'm like, that's the $8 million body, right? <laughs> it doesn't look like an $8 million body, right? That's what people are earning, but... If that's what it takes to get there, I'm not doing it. And yes, of course, there's the Tony Robbins of the world and, you know, the super successful entrepreneurs, but they have their people doing their work for them. They're not doing it. <laughs> they have a team of people. So if you're on your own, if you don't prioritize your health, you're going to start writing checks your body can't cash. And in 10 years, 20 years, I mean, I just turned 50. So I don't have a choice. I don't have, I can't like my 20 year old self I stay out till four in the morning and can fully function the next day I can't do that anymore and to me it's just it's not worth the extra money so you have to decide like how much do I want to make and then what's it going to take for me to get there am I going to burn myself out I, I do see many people in my business development program leaving the program because they're burnt out they're making themselves sick and they're like this isn't worth it to me I have gut issues I'm recovering from cancer you know it's like what's it worth to you you really have to have your priorities and your why really clear there's there's a book i recommend it's by an amazing navy seal it's called the way of the seal and it's really about knowing your why and doing what you're doing and building your life around that you don't know why you're doing you just think you're going to be an entrepreneur and make all this money you're so dead wrong no right people will see through your hustle and your ridiculously cheesy sales and it won't be authentic if you honestly want to help the people the money will come you want to help someone build a business you want to help them get fit lose weight you want to help them learn to write and create online marketing great be a genius at your offerings and give, 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 grow and gain. And then the money will come after when you get your sales pitch and all that down, the money will come. So take care of yourself first. 
because you can't work on those sleep. You can't work on poor fuel. You can't work if your brain neurons and your chemistry isn't firing. Did you have a background in writing books or is that something that you picked up along the way? Because it's very, I'm writing one now and it's very difficult. Like you inspired me to actually write mine when I saw I was putting a lot of things in a way saying, oh, you don't have time. But now I've been making a little chunk at a time and writing stuff. But so I thank you for that, by the way. My pleasure. You want to laugh. Okay. So I did great in high school English, like moved up to AP English. You know, I thought I was the bomb. And my college professor was like, he gave me C's in my writing and was like, oh, this isn't good at all. And so then I internalized the message, oh, I can't write. I'm a terrible writer, right? Which is crazy because of one person's opinion. One of my nutrition mentors, he had written some books and he was like, just write like you talk. Oh, and so I'd also been in practice, nutrition practice for like 15 years. And my clients begged me because I have a great sense of humor. So they were like, you really need to write this stuff down. You need to write a book. So I was like, no, I can't write. I'm not a good writer. And so one of my mentors, who's my nutrition mentor, but he also did professional stand-up comedy on the side. Like to make biochemistry hysterical is a rare gift. He totally helped me. He was like, your book is going to be, I really wanted to try to bring sex in the city to nutrition because nutrition books were very boring and dry. And I never read them. They were so uninteresting to me, which was a real gift because I didn't pay attention to what anyone else was doing. Okay. That didn't come till later. And that really messed with me. So I just, he was like, your book is like a nightclub. Like you're wearing a feather boa and you have a martini glass in your hand and everyone's coming to your nightclub. And that's sort of how I approached it. The first stuff, why that name, Eat, Drink, and Be Gorgeous, you know, it's very, it's very nightclub-y. It's all, and it has such a different twist. Like it's all about great sex and hangover recovery and dating and UTIs and all the things I was seeing as a single New York girl in my 20s. And all my clients were like that too. So you, so A, say it in your voice because it doesn't matter if the topic has been covered before. No one has your voice. B, just talk it through right as if you're talking to someone. Your target audience is sitting right in front of you. But C, something else I did often was, okay, this was pre-technology, but remember <laughs> those like talking tape recorders? Those yes. Tiny mini cassette tapes, right? So I would just talk into those. I carried that with me everywhere. I remember we were in um, Italy and I was standing on the balcony of our hotel room just dictating like chapters of my book. So you can write as you, as you talk, you can go as you, uh, you know, you, you can even probably take snippets from your podcast yeah. and do it. But a writer writes and writing the practice and the discipline and you just have to sit and do it. There's no way around it. And no cheating. My first book flowed out of me, and then they got progressively, each one got progressively harder. And when I wrote Take Women, Don't Get Fat, I was like, I've been dry as a bone ever since. I've got nothing. So, and I, I know the opportunity cost that if I write a book, I've got to stop seeing clients. I just don't have the bandwidth to do both. So, it does come at a cost, but it's worth it. It gives you a lot of street cred, and it's just another great way to to spread your message and teach people and offer good to the world. 
No, it's beautiful. And even the one that yeah. stuck out to me was cave women eat meat because it kind of reminds me cave of women my... Cave women don't get fat. Cave women don't get fat. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I saw that one. And like, so it, like you said, like everything you're saying, I, I love hearing you say this because, you know, the different types of stuff that you were writing about. And so I thought of my girlfriend and that would be perfect because she's a personal trainer and um, she has a business. And I was like, I like that. I think that kind of reminds me of her. Just the title. I don't even know what it was about. I was like... <laughs> I'm going to get her that. So I am going to get her that book. I said that to myself. Oh, thank so. you. It's, yeah. it's a paleo diet book for women. Yeah. And um, a lot of personal trainers love it. But yeah. it is more advanced in terms of nutrition. So each drink can be gorgeous. I have a lot of trainers who give their clients that book as a kind of a starting point. If someone is obese and has learned no good nutrition habits their whole life, you got to start slow. You can't just jump right into a paleo diet. You know, you got to teach them like, what is a carb? What is a protein? What is a fat? So, and, and the effects on their bodies, because either way, you don't have to go to hardcore extremes to see results. You really don't. And the good news is like the more unhealthy someone is when they're starting, the better they'll see results in how they're feeling and losing weight. You know, my um, overweight clients will lose, you know, 40 pounds in three to four months. Mm -hmm. But my lean clients who want to lose five to 10 pounds have a much harder time getting it off because already doing all the things. And, you know, usually we just have to, you know, test their hormones, their cortisol, maybe get them on some hormone replacement, and that moves the needle. Oh, yeah. But but Cave Women Don't Get Fat, you know, I wrote it because there were all these paleo diet books for men or written from a male perspective. There were none that addressed female physiology and female hormones. So this is another, if I may impart some advice to your book, find the holes in the market and cover those. There's always gaping holes. There's always room on the shelf for more and new different perspectives. Something that you said um, in, a, in an interview that you did that I thought was interesting was you mentioned how some the male diets or diets made by men were kind of misogynistic. Yeah, well, the, the diet industry is misogynistic, and they're not necessarily made all made by men. Um, but the research studies, you know, I did research on intermittent fasting, for example, for cave women don't get fat. Out of 71 studies I researched, only 13 were done on women. And women have a fluctuating hormone cycle every month. Men do not. So, of course, women are going to have a different physiological response to a paleo diet than a man. So to not take that into account, you're losing 50% of the market. That's just stupid. Ignorant. (laughs) So so women, you know, but diets in and of themselves are often misogynistic because there's a fine line, right? There's. Yes, if you're obese, you should absolutely lose weight. That, otherwise, you are extremely high to probable risk of developing heart disease, diabetes, cancer, you know, loss of inflammation, joint aches and pains, headaches, hormone problems, tumors, fibroids, the work, okay? When you're lean, you don't have these issues. But I say come out the diet from a place of self-love and not from a place of you're not enough. If you're thinner, your life will magically be better because your problems aren't going to go away if you're thinner. You're just going to have new and different problems. That's all. Coming at it from a place of you are you are enough right now, but let's just get you really healthy versus you're ugly and unattractive because you have 20 extra pounds or 50 extra pounds of weight. That's not what it's about. 
got a health perspective. Yeah, your message resonated so, with me for that reason, actually. I'm working out, I'm doing my diet, but you know, you have those those times where you you don't stick to it and then you kind of beat yourself up and eat a whole bunch of stuff that you shouldn't and then you're like beating yourself up. So as women go through it, I'm sure I go through it as well. So when you said that, I felt like it was a more of a balanced approach because you said listen to your body and I thought that that was something that resonated with me. Well, and yes, I'm so glad because yeah, the other reason why diets can be so detrimental is they tell you to ignore your body and your body and you are most intelligently wired beings out there and we are all innately intuitive every person who comes to me knows exactly what's wrong with their body or or knows something is off they may not know if it's the you know their cholesterol numbers or whatever but they do know things are off and so often they're dismissed by and i too have been dismissed by medical professionals judged out there so it's you really have to when you know something's off of your body pay attention it's always right never wrong and then to that end when you beat yourself up because you fall off the wagon like so what you get back on the wagon like you're not a horrible person because you eat doritos you just enjoy doritos because <laughs> they taste damn good right right <laughs> have the doritos put them in a bowl eat them enjoy them and then go work out and move on with your life like it's that simple you know? wow Nothing. who knew <laughs> who knew right i'm like guys have whatever i'm actually teaching a master class on this soon of like just have what you want put it in a bowl i eat chocolate many times a week i have a cocktail a couple times a month and i never feel guilty at all i don't have guilty pleasures because i don't feel guilt i enjoy the food you said that you could eat like what you eat on a Saturday, but eat on a Wednesday. And I've never heard that ever in my life. Oh, really? Never heard that. Yeah, so it's preemptive. See, it, I, I don't even like the word, use the word cheating. It's, it's really just building indulgence into your, um, into your day. So it keeps you honest the rest of the time. And, and just honestly, um, giving permission takes away the shame and the power of, uh, scarcity like I'll never have enough is a big fear or like I buried this now because I'm never going to have it again which please <laughs> when has the grocery store ever been out of peanut m and come on right. okay so and uh, he said what exactly are you doing here I said I'm building a healthy relationship with food <laughs> so I was like I think we're done here I'm, I'm good because I grew up in a home where there was always you open a drawer and there were always just empty candy wrappers because my mom would just like sneak candy. It was totally her food shame. She grew up, you know, being fat shamed, even though she was never fat. She had a little tummy, but so what? Like, and uh, she never did that to me, thank goodness. But she sent a lot of subliminal confusing messaging. And I used to always say to her mom, why don't you just have like a big bowl of candy out and then we can all just eat it and enjoy it. But she would never do that. Uh, I learned, I mean, I have a chocolate shelf in my pantry. I have another one in the freezer. <laughs> <laughs> it was Halloween this year. There was no ticker change through the pandemic. I went right. and bought my son two bags of candy. I put them in the freezer. We all enjoyed a couple of things. They're gone now, and that's it. Like, nothing. It just was such a non-event. I didn't gain a single pound. I didn't balloon up, but I also didn't pig out because... 
all I want is one. I don't feel good anymore anyway. But I do want to enjoy Milky Ways and Snickers once a year. Yeah, I do. So a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are entrepreneurs. So I imagine you've made some mistakes along the way. What, what was one of your biggest failures as an entrepreneur that you've learned from? Oh, no, I'm perfect, Lan. I've never made any mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, um, I call it an expensive learning. I've had two expensive learning experiences. You can call them mistakes or failures, however you want to call them. But they make you fail forward. So yeah. that's good. That's um, one was, this was such a great learning experience. So, you know, I built my business from my book. And my agent said to me, this was at least four or five years ago. And she said to me, you have to take all your business online. Everything's online now and that's it. Okay. So I took her advice to heart. And I hired someone out of the gate to build me. This was around the time my cave women book came out so we tried to build an online program for my cave women to get that book i knew nothing about online marketing he literally came to me with this long script we didn't even know that there was a teleprompter app we used to make these clumsy videos it was an awful program i think eight people bought it but good things came out of it he built my mailing list from like 1200 to 5000 which was really great which I've since called a lot because it wasn't a great list. I now have a very small curated list, actually, but high engagement. So that was expensive because, you know, I paid him lots of money and took home, like, nothing. And it was so much time and so much energy. And at the time, I wasn't sleeping, so I was really just a mess. And it was, it was awful. So that was one experience. And the other was... I hired event planners. I wanted to do like a one-day event in New York City. I hired event planners who were recommended to me by my business coach. I thought he vetted them and truly knew their product. He didn't, and I didn't run it by him because I thought, oh, he vetted them. He knows they're good. Sure, I'll hire them. And they ended up, you know, uh, I again, I sold, I, I spent lots of money on the day and on them, and I ended up upselling into like one paying client. So I got one paying client, which was great, but I felt horrible about myself in the process. I was totally stressed out and my business coach did find out about it and what a sham it was and completely got involved and they weren't even asked back to the program. Like they really did not do right by me and they didn't give me any money back. So it was a lot of money down the drain. But, and ironically, I mean, again, talk about karma. I got the most wicked food poisoning the night before. I was out in New York City. <laughs> I met my cousins for dinner. <laughs> I literally had like a Hendrix on the rock and steak, mashed potatoes, and vegetables. Don't ask me how, but I went back at, to the apartment I was staying at and was violently ill all night. Like the most, it was like a scene out of Bridesmaids. It was so bad, right? I mean, the universe was like, oh, honey, this is going to be bad. And it was. But so do I cringe when I think about it? Yeah. But am I damn proud of myself that I still put on a one-day event? It takes guts to do that. It was really hard. And now I know, like, oh, if I ever – and now I know, A, I don't want to do live events. I really don't like selling from the stage. So that's good to know, right? Because, like, I'm like, that's not going to be me. Why? Because it's way too much stress. It 
took it was a huge burden on my family. My family took a huge hit because of my working like crazy to make it happen. I wasn't sleeping well, which is also now a very good barometer to know. Like if I don't sleep, I'm like, nope, this is the wrong direction. That's kind of my canary in the coal mine. And then I also knew like, okay, if I did ever decide to go down the event rabbit hole again, I now have the most amazing event planner who I know and trust and she's a friend, but a colleague and professional to the nines. I've watched her run. She runs Lisa Nichols events. Her name is Shay Wheat. I should just call her out. Yes. She's incredible. She does three day events. Do you know Shay? No, I, I'm just remembering the name. I'm locking it in. <laughs> yeah, Shay Wheat. I mean, once you run a Lisa Nichols event, you're a genius to me. But she... So, and I now know like, okay, this is how I would do my three day event. It would be so different. And it, and the event failed the first time because it was someone else's plan. It wasn't mine. And during the event, people were like, I don't want to know about this. I want to know about this. And I could have just let them lead. And I was like, nope, we're sticking to the plan. And everyone was unhappy. And it was just, I felt terrible that I didn't serve people in the way that would have helped them that they wanted. Because I had a lot of fear of like, well, I give this all away. They won't buy from me. Wrong, wrong, wrong. I learned to give it all away and give them some because at the end of the day, and this is you speaking to coaches out there, people are paying for time with you. Your information is secondary. They want the connection. They want the support. It's all about emotional connection. At the end of the day, it's not about what you offer. Nobody's paying attention to what you offer. Yes, of course they want to know you're reshaping your business. If my business coach didn't help me grow my numbers, they'd be done. I wouldn't resign. I wouldn't resign with them. But I also like the personality of the human that I'm coaching with. Does that make sense? It makes a hundred percent sense. And also another thing is that you in the connection, because that's how I feel with the people that I interview. I don't meet you. Like, I never spoke to you, but I like the interaction. Like, that you took time, you looked at what I was doing, you gave me back some feedback on what you thought. Oh, that's great. And I gave you back some feedback. But I've definitely had people that approached me. And when I contact them, it's like five, six days goes by. They don't say anything. And then when they, when they do respond, it's one word answers. And I'm like, every time I didn't follow my gut, like, and not interview that person, because I don't put out stuff like that, that if there's not a genuine connection... Um, I've, I've definitely, that's, that's my failures as a business person. Um, not listening to my gut and thinking it's just business. They don't have to be your friend, but as you put, as you aptly put, if the trust isn't there, then it doesn't come across in the interaction. It's not authentic. Yes. And I'm glad you brought up your gut too, because in, in, in the case of the event planners, like I, my gut said no, but I was like, well, I guess this is what I should be doing. So I guess I'll just do it. And God, that was so stupid. Right. <laughs> Expensive learning opportunity. Expensive <laughs> learning opportunity. I'm going to remember that because I like how you framed it because like the failure part is like, but it's not a failure if you learn something and you've clearly learned something and I can see it in, in what you're doing with your business and, um, and just the way you present yourself. Yeah. Um, is there any advice you. you would give or you would take from your younger self that you would give to yourself now as an older person? You know, sometimes when you're younger, you have certain things that you do, risks you take. And as you get older, you get very safe. Um, is there anything you would, you would advice you would take from your younger self as to, to the, the woman that you are now? Um, definitely 
be extraordinarily true to yourself and spend some time figuring out your own set of values and what you will and won't accept and allow and enable into your life. Your choices, like life is choices. So you're going to make mistakes. Of course you are. You're going to, you're going to fail. You're going to look back and be like, why did I do that? But just along the way, if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. So if you're not passionate about it, like you just said, Glenn, like if you aren't feeling it with a guest, that impacts your day. And then you're putting content out that you don't feel connected to or happy about. So when it comes to creating content, make sure it's something that is you are so excited about. Because when you're really excited about people are like, huh, I really need to pay attention to that. But also, obviously, make sure you're offering exceptional value to people. And maybe that's how you charge money. Or if you're starting out and you don't feel comfortable charging a lot of money, just add more value to what you're charging. And then you can justify charging more money. But you are, no one is ever going to give you permission to say, you know what? You can charge. Like, I used to gawk at people who charged what I charged. I would be like, oh, my God, they're total charlatans. How would anybody pay that much? People will pay a lot to get out of pain. And if you know that you have a solution that you can honestly help people and you have experience under your belt doing it, charge whatever it is you feel your time is worth and that you're not going to be resentful of your clients. No, and then right. serve the hell out of them. Like take exquisite care of them in the process. So they really feel supported and connected throughout. Don't just take their money and run because you think you're worth it. And that's your ego talking. Take their money so that you can give them the experience of a lifetime where they actually arrive at their destination that you promised them. No, that's beautiful. And, and one of the things that, um, I'm realizing for myself is that not everybody is your client. Cause I remember when I started out, I was a graphic designer at one point and I got shut, shot down for these guys that were to do my website. They were like, Oh, you don't have enough. We wouldn't take a meeting with me. And I remember when I started out, I started taking every single client and then I was like, Oh, that's why you don't take every client. Some of the people that I gave the best deals to were the hardest people to deal with. So I learned that way. So that was my expensive learning right. experience. <laughs> Expensive learning, but you know what? People don't necessarily want discounts. They actually want to feel like they're investing in themselves. So don't depress someone that opportunity to invest themselves. Mm-hmm. It may be the first time they've ever done it in their whole life. And there's a psychology behind people think if you uh, if they're paying more that they're getting more, more value. Yeah, more value, and so make sure they do get more value. Yeah. My experience with, with people and discounts is that they never want to pay the full price and they bring you more cheap business on top of it. So because they huddle in the people who and they tell you they tell people, hey, that person gave me a discount. They're cheap. They don't say they're a great person. They say they're cheap. They're a cheap buy. And then you get more cheap people coming to your doorstep. So I, I totally agree with that. Amen. What was the last job that you worked for and why did you stop working for, why you decided to work for yourself instead of working for someone else? The last job I worked at was with Dr. Paracone Spa in New York City. I was the nutrition director there. It came after I had my son, I moved to part-time there instead of full-time. And then we moved to Connecticut 
so logistically I knew I wouldn't commute. I can't thank Dr. Paracon enough. He really was, his uh, store director helped me get my foot in the door with his publisher, his agent, pardon me. So I'm extraordinarily grateful and love him dearly. It was more logistical, A, uh, than anything else. That It was just that simple. What was the second question? Oh, I was going to ask you, your son is 13. Would you encourage him to go down the route, the route that you've gone into entrepreneurship or would you... Are you a fan of working for people? He is a very creative soul. I always encourage him to go down the entrepreneurial path. I, I've said to him, I don't even know if you need to go to college. I think you can just take some business classes and go. But he, he wants the college experience, of course. You know, he wants the social aspect of it, which I don't blame him at all. But I, we would totally support him. I mean, my husband and I, it's funny because my husband's like Ivy League, you know, Columbia, graduate, you know, businessman. And he says, I don't even know how to advise our son because you have these guys on YouTube making millions of dollars. Who am I to say you can't be that person? We want him to go in. I always say to him, like, when you do, if you do decide to go into business, like dad and I are going to help you, like, know your numbers and run a solid business plan and really make sure things are buttoned up and not sloppy. He's like, oh, no, I can do all that. I said, and we just laugh. We say, no, you're, you're going to need structure around it. So we'll make sure, you know, he, both of us have enough experience between the two. I mean, my husband goes, he's like, you keep going and I'm going to run your business. <laughs> so who knows, you know, but we'll, we'll support him and what he wants to do. I have no idea. I don't know if he's going to be a chef. I don't know if he's going to design his own sneakers and sell those he's a speed skater i mean who knows what he's gonna do you just can't tell us of these no you can't and you and you pointed out right. something very um you were right on the money with in terms of like the younger generation understanding where things are headed but also giving him that support system i think is very important how was it for you for example when you wanted to go uh, like against and and get out of the medical field traditionally um, did you get any kind of like flack from parents or anybody like that that said anything to you about it? They supported it always? No, not at all. Well, you know, it's so funny though. My so back to my grandfather, you know, he was he was a doctor and, and when I said, I'm gonna be a dietitian, he was like, What do you think you're doing? You're never gonna be a success and you're never gonna make any money. And I was like, Oh yeah, watch me. Let's I'll show you. So so then once I started getting on T V, you know, he was so proud. He didn't see my first book come out. He wasn't alive at that point. But, you know, he was the only one. Everyone else, I mean, the functional medicine community could not have been more welcoming because they didn't, you know, they didn't have a lot of dietitians like me. And there's still are not a lot of that. We're, we're growing. We're a small growing group. But we are a small group of dietitians in functional medicine. And so, thank God, I'm, I'm grateful to be a trailblazer because I get so many calls from future dietitians and I always help them. I always spend half an hour on the phone with them and say, and say, what do you need? Where do you want to go? What do you want to do with this? Like, let's flush this out for you because they, they need to know their opportunities for growth and they need to understand what's possible for themselves. And, and the beauty of this field, the reason why I went into it is because it's extraordinarily flexible and to their credit, I mean, the, the dietetic association, they let me, uh, they're very flexible with my continuing ed credits. I can use my entrepreneurial track for continuing ed credits. I don't have to. Now, for my functional medicine degree, I have to have all clinical nutrition continuing ed credits. But 
So yeah, every, it's, I, I really haven't had a lot of barriers. The hardest thing for me was getting into becoming a dietitian. And it took me, I had to, I didn't get into dietetic internships for two years in a row. So that's why I went to grad school because there was a, an internship built into the program oh. and you weren't guaranteed placement, but I placed into one. So it was, it was very hard getting into the field, but once I've been in it, it's been easy to stay in it. Okay. And my final question, when, <laughs> you've answered them. I mean, you've given, you've given so much in terms of like depth in your, your answers. I, w- I want to thank you for that. Cause sometimes I, I feel like I ask a question and, and I feel like I want to get a little bit more and people don't answer it. And after I do a, a, a second follow up, I say, oh, let me just leave it alone. They don't want to answer it, but thank you for just being so open with everything with, you know, even up to your expensive, uh, <laughs> failures or whatever you call them. I love it. Um, so then the last question I would like to um, is I like to solicit some advice for my listeners out there who not just want to be in the field that you're in, but just want to do something creatively and go out on a limb and do it. What kind of advice would you give them? Absolutely have a coach who's going to help you put a plan in place and, and choose a coach. You know, do your due diligence, speak to their clients, look at the results they're generating. Um, any coach who promises you you're going to make a million dollars in a year is totally lying and taking advantage of you. And there's a lot of, you know, the coaching industry is real seedy. Any industry, right? We all have our good and bad. So you want to make sure you're going with someone who has street credibility, who will maybe have a few offerings where you start off at a lower price point and you gradually are able to build proof of concept. Go with someone where you can get in, in other words, from the ground up, someone who is, who has a high retention rate. You know, my business coach retains people on average of three years on average and has like, you know, high yielding clients. So be judicious, do your due diligence, but don't do it alone, people. Like we were never meant to do any of this alone. I mean, Richard Branson has a coach for God's sake. So get help. The biggest mistake I did for so long was trying to do it alone or thinking I couldn't afford a coach. And it will cost you so much more money in the long run. Like I missed a thousand business opportunities that I could have had along the way. So invest early, but invest intelligently. This might be a good, that was great, great advice, but this might be a going to plug your coach. Who is your, who is this amazing coach that you use? I coach with James Roche. He is in Ribbon's Business School. He was Allie Brown's head coach for a long time. And Suzanne Evans runs Driven Business School. And I started out in her program with a $1,200 online program where she offered you your money back. And I literally paid it in six installments of $200 each. I mean, come on. And that's James Roche, you said? That's James Roche. It's R-O-C-H-E. James Roche. Um, wow. Awesome. But now, I mean, Suzanne does a lot of amazing conferences that you can go to, three-day events for, you know, 100 or $200, and you get your money back once you show up at the conference. But now, the virtual conferences are even less. But she took me from making four figures a month to like doubling that in a very short time in a couple months, and then I hit the ground running and enrolled in her annual program, which again, I was like, I talked to her with my husband. I said, I, I said, these are the numbers I'm generating. He was like, great. What do you, I said, well, 
he said, well, what's next? I said, I want to enroll in the yearly program. He's like, well, what's the problem? I said, I'm not asking for permission. I'm just asking for support. Right. Go, don't even talk to me. Just go and do it. I said, here's what I'm going to do. You know, I was able to spend time having proof of concept with a very, uh, and I, I do love Suzanne's programs because they take people who are making $400 a month. And then they take people who are making $500,000 a month. So she's, she's really worked getting people off the ground and from wherever you're at, that's her zone of genius. And it's been spectacular for me. That's I've awesome. I've been with them for years now. Yeah. So there's part of that. How much of that is in you? Because somebody can tell you things to do, but how much of the work do you have to put oh, in personally? Yeah. All of it. All of it. I mean, if you show up and you do the work, and you know, when I was in that initial small coaching program, I was the only one who showed up to the weekly support call. Can you believe that? I was like, people are paying twelve hundred dollars to don't show up to a program. Who does that? I don't care if you're paying fifty dollars for a program. I, I paid, you know, just a few hundred dollars for online programs. When I buy things, I do them. <laughs> okay. It's called integrity, people. You can't sit on your butt. You can buy every program in the world. If you don't do it, no one can help you. So I I like the coaching because I have the accountability. For me, I need accountability. I don't do things if I don't, A, pay for them and B, show up for them. And if I don't pay or show up for things, then I'm failing myself and my family. And it all comes down to that. I can't let anybody down. I need to be a role model for my son. I need to be helping people heal their bodies. And I need to be able to look myself in the mirror and say, I did good today. And I don't do good every day. I screw up. I make mistakes. But I beat myself up and say, you did the best you could with what you had. Move on. Tomorrow's a new day. And then it's over. I forgive myself. I meditate. Go to bed. (laughs) I do know and I've run into people who have complained about things not working for them, but they hadn't done the work that you said, the homework. And it's it's good to spotlight that so that when people when something doesn't work for somebody asking yourself, did I give my 100 percent to it that what I paid for? So thank you for adding that to it. Yeah. Or also most people say it didn't work for them because they're trying too many things at once. You have to master one thing. In all the years I've been with Suzanne, the only thing I've built up is my one-to-one coaching. I haven't launched. I tried one group coaching program. That was moderately successful. But I said, even that, I was like, nope, I only want one-to-one. That is the only offering I have. I have a couple. I do have actually a really great online program for entrepreneurs on my website called Boost Your Energy. It's a seven-day program to boost your energy as an entrepreneur. It's a couple hundred bucks. But um, for the most part, I've only done one thing and I do it again and again and again. And I never get cocky with sales because I still screw up sales. I still have sales that I know I've lost that I could have done better on. It never, you cannot let your guard down and you cannot get lazy and you cannot think, oh, I got this one in the bag. Because you don't, until that contract <laughs> is signed and the money's in your account, you don't got that sale. Wow. That so is great advice. People who say, my business isn't succeeding or, oh, it didn't work for me. You probably were trying to do 20 things because you saw one Instagram ex- so-called expert doing it and you thought, 
oh, I need to do that now. And now I need to do a YouTube channel and my Instagram and this and Facebook and LinkedIn. No, you choose one social media channel and you do that. And that's it. And I don't even focus much on social media. You can see because my numbers aren't terribly high. I'm working on it. But it's anything that takes focus away from my one-to-one gets the backseat. Man, that's some great, great, great advice. I love how you put it all down and you broke it down in such a um, simple way for people to just like, there's things that I'm hearing from you that, that I've seen that I know that people think, but don't say them. There's one thing that I'm doing now, which is I use social media, but now siphoning my people off of social media. I keep it up there. I update minds. I am active on it, but also getting the email, building my email list and just creating things outside like the website. I'm creating stuff that so people have to go to the website like when like something I want to approach you about actually is. So what I do when I launch this episode is it's going to be audio, but I also do like a 40 minute live session, which I would love to have you there. And then we do a questions and answer of the people that visit. So I would love to have have you there i will let oh, you know okay good but that's that's one way let's that i'm getting people off of social media i don't use the instagram platform to use it on there i use zoom and i have it just like, as this but it's a it's a webinar and i love it thank you so let's much this was so great this was so fun thank you thank you so much you have a great day and thanks again for everything you too and send I me the name it. of your business coach i want to put her in the note in the show notes so text me whatever. Oh, yeah. And can I make an offering for your people? I of course, even an please offering. make an offering. <laughs> okay. I'm not a business coach. So this offer is not for business coaching. This offer is for nutrition coaching. Okay. But if you have a health problem that you need to solve, I offer a 30 minute consultation where you take away, this is a metabolic blueprint call where you take away three customized strategies that are customized to you that are going to move you towards your goal. So if you want to lose weight, if you want to solve a health problem, you have some digestive issues, you're not sleeping at night, get on the phone with me. You go to estherblum.com forward slash call, C-A-L-L. Get on the phone with me. We're going to take care of you. You're going to leave the call with a strategic roadmap of how to move forth and solve your problems. Wow. I actually have somebody for you, actually. I have somebody in mind for you that I'm going to send to you, seriously, because we just was talking about this. Awesome. Exactly. So thank you so much, Esther. I look forward to putting up your episodes soon. I'll keep in touch with you. Thank you so much. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the 95 Killers podcast. You can now visit us at our website at 95killers.com. We truly appreciate your continued support. Take care of yourselves and keep killing those comfort zones. Until next time, peace.
The 9 to 5 Killers podcast is now available for your listening pleasure on Spotify, Apple Podcast and Stitcher.